On this week's episode of Inside Illini Basketball, I'm not joined by Jim Rosso in the podcast booth. And I left it feeling better about myself because I wasn't wrong about anything. Uh, Jeff D'Alessio joined me, and we had plenty to discuss, including you know, Sumu as a National Player of the Year candidate, Illinois' place in the Big Ten in the Top 25, and a little recruiting news that could end up a good thing for Illinois on Monday night. Be sure to take a listen to these messages and then come back for more of Inside Illini Basketball. Hi, I'm Paul Rudy, CEO of Rudy Wealth Management and host of Paul Rudy's On The Money Radio Show. Every successful investor I've ever met continuously acted on a plan. Every failed investor I've ever met was constantly reacting to current events. If the recent market turmoil is keeping you up at night, maybe it's time you begin to make your investment and spending decisions based upon a retirement income plan. Perhaps it's time for you to listen to the little voice in your head telling you to call Rudy Wealth Management. You'll be happy you did. Rudy Wealth Management, Central Illinois Retirement Specialist, 356-1400. Pia Sports Bar and Grill presents Inside Illini Basketball. Pia Sports Bar is the number one Illini sports enthusiast bar in Champaign, hosting bus shuttles to all Illini basketball home games, serving up the best wings, beers, never-ending nachos, and mouth-watering burgers. Come visit Pia Sports Bar and Grill and try our famous Grand Slam burger while watching your favorite game. Pia Sports Bar and Grill is located at 1609 West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. Come be a part of the party at Pia's. Good Monday morning, and if you're surprised to hear my voice first, that's because Scott Ritchie, that's me, uh, not with Jim Rosso for this week's episode of Inside Illini Basketball, and you know maybe I'll you know, leave it feeling a little better about myself since Jim won't be here to tell me why I'm wrong about everything, but pleased to be joined by the other former Illinois beat writer in the office, uh, it was the, the big boss, you had, yeah, Jeff D'Alessio in the newsroom, and uh, so we'll we'll make it through. You know, episode one thirty-eight. Uh, this is your actually your second time on the podcast. You it filled is. in for me. Yep. Um, I don't know. It's been probably a year and a half ago, at least. It's in the old years. building, so yeah, it's been a while, maybe a couple of years. But uh, we'll got plenty to talk about today, including uh, Illinois back in the top five in the AP top twenty-five. Um, I would assume it was maybe National Player of the Year, and uh, Illinois might get a 2021 commitment tonight. Uh, so we'll uh, get started, though, with maybe the Nebraska game, which is also leads us into, I would assume it was National Player of the Year candidate for sure. Um, almost a debacle uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, what you, what's, your, what's your long-term kind of takeaway from that? Is it just a blip, or is it, um, you know, we were talking off-air just a little bit about... Um, you know, Curbelo seems to be struggling a little here, and it's more than one game. Uh, is there, you know, does this? How does this play out tomorrow night when Penn State's in town? They don't play Penn State. They don't play Penn State tomorrow night. Northwestern, same difference. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't. I do get those two confused from my beat writing days. Those are the those are the automatic W's when I covered Illinois. Yeah. Well, been less of an automatic W right. of late, but getting closer to that now again. Um, I think it's a mix of some concern about Curbelo, uh because he's just he's always been, you know, high risk, high reward, right? And there's been less reward from him in the last couple games. 
Uh, and I think he's lost a little, seems like he's lost confidence in himself, and just especially as a shooter, he doesn't want to shoot. Right. And I don't know, he's been in that place before where they've had point guards that don't want to shoot, and that changes how teams defend and makes it tougher on everybody else. But I think part of the whole almost losing to Nebraska thing was Illinois was, you know, geared up to play Michigan last right. week. And the schedule changes, and they face this Nebraska team that has now lost. Well, actually, they got back on. They got they finally got a win after 26 straight Big Ten losses um, over the weekend. But at that point, Nebraska hadn't won a Big Ten game in 13 months. Yeah, you know Illinois what? was just chance they were maybe looking past Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska didn't look like that team. You know, like, they they didn't, they clearly have talent. You know, you don't think, again, I go back to my days covering Illinois when Kevin O'Neill and Ricky Birdsong coached Northwestern, and they were just, I mean, it was, they had Evan Ashmeyer and no one. You know, it was going to be a 10-point win no matter who Illinois put out there. Nebraska looked like, you know, they didn't look like a, like the equivalent of uh, Denny Green's uh, Northwestern football team that lost like fifty straight games. Or, yeah, I or, mean they played hard. Yeah, too. I mean, like that's I think been common from they just don't maybe have it all together yet. When it's the second straight year where Fred Hoiberg has essentially put out an entirely new team. I mean, the turnover has been incredible in Lincoln. Um, it is, you know, it's surprising to me. I, I tend to get surprised easily um, by things, but. Like Jim Harbaugh goes to Michigan. I thought, oh, that's a great hire. This is going to work. No, ch- you know, no chance he's going to continue the seven and eight win seasons that they'd grown accustomed to. I thought the same thing with Hoiberg. You know, he was clearly just kind of miscast, maybe as an NBA coach, kind of like Lon Kruger, who I covered. Yeah. But one at such a level in college that you would think that would easily translate to coming to the Big Ten. Certainly not to not to the depths that they've sunk. So is that still a program that you think is, you know, on the rise could be a factor? Or is it just there's the Big Ten's got too I mean, the Big Ten is good. And, I mean, I'm not sure Nebraska's uh, in any place to be considered a factor yet. But it, I think it's a different – it's certainly been different for Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska than it was at Iowa State. I mean, he was five, at a 500 team his first year in Iowa State. And right. Then, then built it into, you know – Regular NCAA tournament team getting three and four seeds. Um, he's uh, used the same approach, which is transfers, right? And Nebraska and hasn't worked yet. Landing one of those transfers though at Trey McGowan's helped him get his little brother, who's a five star recruit. I think the first ever five star basketball recruit to pick Nebraska. Uh, Bryce McGowan's decommitted from Florida State. Leonard Hamilton will join us older brother in Lincoln, maybe that's going to help. And if he could get more of those players, I think would certainly help. But at some point he's going to have to like pick a roster and right. dump the entire thing year after year. Cause that's, I mean, you see it's not working right now, but I mean, okay. Nebraska gets even halfway decent to good. I mean, that's just, I think, Elevates the Big Ten, yeah, even right. More than it is, and right that's now. yeah, it's kind of what the you know it's a cliche, but the 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 worst of the league kind of shows what how good the league is, and if that's your worst team, then it's a pretty good league. 
but uh, okay, enough of the Bob Osmondson show. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, could, I could bring up Creighton. <laughs> yeah, it's big right. win over Villanova on Saturday. That's my fault. Uh, okay, I'm going to steer you. One more question about that game, and you wrote down Io DeSumo in our little pregame talk here, National Player of the Year? Question mark. Before we get to that. I heard Lauren and Brian on earlier, and it was an interesting point. Um, Lauren over the weekend listed his top 12 uh, individual performances of all time in program history, of which Io's triple-double, one of three in the history of the program, was certainly among them. But he asked himself, kind of second-guessing himself, was Io's performance against Nebraska actually better than his performance against Wisconsin? Maybe. It might be, right? I mean, mean, there's an argument for that, and... Like Illinois probably still would have beaten Wisconsin even if Io just had a normal right game for for what he can do because you know, it was a fifteen point game. If Io doesn't score the last ten points in regulation, the first five in overtime, Illinois loses maybe one of the worst games in, for a top ten team in college basketball this season. Right, probably is would have been the worst. Uh, and he's had that ability to take over games. Really, I mean, dating back to his freshman year, I mean, he hit game winner you know, against Michigan State in the, I mean, the, it's the Dan Dockage game where right. it wasn't going to end well for Illinois, but it certainly did. But this Nebraska game, like, he'd never hit that gear in a takeover where he just did it all in the last three minutes. I mean, he scored 17 of his 31 points in essentially eight minutes. Who... Who can't he do that against in the Big Ten? Who is who's who? You know, cuts him off and forces him to pass, or you know, forces crazy shots. Who isn't he getting his shot off against that easily? Well, Indiana, right? Because um, and that was probably foul trouble that game in Bloomington uh, right. a couple weeks ago. But uh, Michigan, probably. I think you know they've got a. I mean, they have a top 10 defense. Right. So Ohio State. Uh, I think a little bit Ohio State. Just because, I mean, they, there's no star on that team, but they just play hard and right. they kind of have a gritty you know, kind of team personality. Um, maybe a little bit Purdue just sort of depends on kind of how their younger guards are playing. But that's not, this isn't, I guess my point is that this isn't the, preferred way to win right i mean that's the that's underwood mentioned that that he had 36 one day right earlier this season and said you know when when he's scoring 36 we're not that's not the way they want to win they want to have more people involved and you know i mean take the win certainly but it's you like to see a little bit more out of other people in a game like this and like last season, just the sheer number of games where he either won it on in the last second or in the last couple of minutes kind of took over. I mean, I felt like Illinois had moved past that where they needed Io to do that right all the time. I think, I mean, in an ideal world, he doesn't have to score 17 of the last however many points, 21, I think. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of a, uh, it's unreal but if he has to he can right and like he just i think it's maybe hard for him to sort of verbalize just what happens but like he just told himself like and he had missed the front end of a one and one nebraska went down hit a three and then they were up 
was either five or six with about four minutes to play. And yeah, you know, I said he told himself it's just like okay, now I have to right take control of this game, and then he did. And not everybody can do that, and it's why. I mean, I was talking about it a week ago, and a little before that, but like national college basketball writers are discussing him as a legitimate national player of the year candidate. Are finally, they yeah. Are. And part of that's because Luca Garza has been human, yeah, over the last few weeks. And I mean, Iowa beat Michigan State by thirty you know, on Saturday, but you know, Luca had what do you have? He had eight points. Wow, which is that doesn't happen. In your your, your case in the paper over the weekend uh, for, you know, here's why, here's who his competition is, um, was telling. I mean, it, it wasn't, it, there's not a, a bunch of lock for steam All-Americans in college basketball. Uh, the best teams have multiple good players, right? Yeah. I mean, who are kind of equal. Is that is that Yeah, cause, I mean, because Gonzaga has three guys. That right. Could... They don't have an eye. I mean, they don't, they don't have someone with Io's stats right no i mean baylor same way yeah because baylor i mean jared butler is the io right of baylor but you know his numbers are they're they're less but baylor's got a little more balance illinois is definitely io and kofi heavy you know at the top um and this baylor just got a different system they play four guards and a six nine guy at center that can defend everybody so it's more a little free-flowing fluid but not only is Io putting up numbers that no one else in the country is when you look at rebounds, rebound or points and assists, like he's he has a game where he drops a triple double on Wisconsin. Has a game where he just takes control like Nebraska and people talk about it. And that, that helps his case, I think, as much as anything where he's putting like notable performances. It's not just oh, he scored twenty and had six rebounds, four assists, but like kind of these moments right. that he's kind of capturing more attention with. Um, do you think the national player of the year thing means anything to him? I mean, I know every player says, you know, for the team and one game at a time and all that, but clearly, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, I think, I think a little bit. And when he put together that video, this come back this summer, where he's yeah. coming back, like he mentioned like he wants to win the Bob Cousy award mm-hmm. as the nation's best point guard. And he's on kind of the, the not, they don't have finalists yet, but I guess he's a semifinalist sort of for that um, mention, you know, Big Ten title, national title. And he's reiterated, like, those are the main goals. Like, he was asked about the triple-double. He was like, I don't, he never really thought about getting a triple-double, but he's certainly happy right. he did it. But the titles are big, but I think getting that recognition nationally is important to him. It's important for Illinois to have a player like that. It's keeping them relevant on the national stage, which hasn't really been the case right. since I, since I've covered them. Any doubt in your mind this is his last year in Illinois? <laughs> well, I would have had doubt the last two years, and he came back. But I, I don't see how he doesn't go to the NBA, or at least make that attempt this year. He's getting some first round draft buzz again, which wasn't there last year. So I can get coming back, but. Like strike while the iron is hot, and it could not be hotter for him. And unfortunately, for Illinois, it's the same with Kofi Coburn. He might not be ready. He might not get drafted where he wants. So I think, you know, I don't know that it gets 
that much better if he comes back for a third year. Right. I mean, it, it could. I mean, but his numbers right now have the attention on him. And there were some similar big men, like big, big men drafted last, whenever the draft was, was it October? Right. So, guy, from, guy from Memphis, right. Yeah, well, and like even it was the second round, but like Udoka Azubuke from Kansas, like he has a, kind of a similar basketball path as Kofi. Definitely got better. He's better defensively than Kofi is right now, but I mean, that would be the growth. Like if he could show where he could guard the perimeter a little more, then I think he's got a spot on an NBA roster somewhere. Right. Which of those two you think has improved their stock more at this point in the season? Io, I think just just because of the fact he's getting those first round looks again, right? Because even when the season started and he was, you know, a preseason All American, quote unquote, one of the best players in college basketball, that he was still like into the second round in a lot of projections. But now he's back you know, into the first round, and I've seen a couple even higher than that. Okay, here's another offbeat question I should, we, that didn't come up in our game prep pregame. Well, that's time. fine. Okay, so Jim never. Prepares for anything. <laughs> so the the rule now is that anyone can come back next year, right? This this season basically doesn't count toward yeah. your eligibility. Okay, the uh, of the seniors on this team, who who would they want back, and who is most likely to come back? I think they take both Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams back if they wanted to count them, because the scholarships won't count right. against. Oh, so you can actually go up? You can have 15 or whatever? I think for one year. Okay. Then you have to. Football like that, too? Yeah, I'm not sure if. I think football is like you get the one-year grace period and then where you can have, you know, 100 people on scholarship. (laughs) Do you remember the old days like Nebraska football had 120 people on the sidelines? Yeah. Well, Nebraska still with walk-ons, I think they had like like 140 people on their roster. Okay. Which... This season was like they had to like essentially not cut them, but like <laughs> right. you couldn't they couldn't be on the team because they were only got so many COVID it's tests. Like uh, Rudy sitting in the stands at Notre Dame because he's a walk on. Yeah, it was like field. they just they didn't have enough COVID tests. Right. To test <laughs> wow, one hundred and forty players. But um, I would say Demonte would be more likely to come back because I think Trent could go play. Somewhere. Right. I mean, DeMonte could, too. I mean, if you want to play overseas, there's a country you can go play basketball in because everywhere has basketball. Um, but I think Trent could go make money in Europe. Right. For sure. Do you um, – we were talking about Curbelo earlier. The the If his minutes decline or he's not as much of a factor in the game, you know, like he was earlier this season – Who's picking? Who's getting those minutes? Is it Demonte? Is it? Well, I mean, some of them are going to go to Io. Right. He played all but three of the forty-five, when you include overtime against Nebraska, and that's fine. I... Who are the last? There's no foul trouble. Who are the last five guys in the game? In the last ten minutes. Well, I think the way it played out in Nebraska is probably right. The group it's Io, Trent, Kofi, Adam Miller, and Demonte. I mean, I think that's. I mean, Andre Cabello's been one of those guys, but right. you, I mean, Brad Arnold showed he just can't play him right now in those minutes or any minutes because the the turnovers are kind of coming back. 
he's not playing enough to get into foul trouble, but the, kind of the silly fouls are back a little bit, and yeah, the, the rotation kind of shrinks a little bit, a little bit more. And he, Brandon was stuck with those five because he felt best about that group defensively against Nebraska. And like, as good as Iowa was, they had to get some stops in there too, right? Just to to get back in the game. We're we'll talk about your top twenty-five. I don't see my uh, St. Bonaventure Bonnies in there. Well, I did have I was ranking them for a couple of weeks, then they <laughs> lost. Uh, they lost to St. Louis. Yeah, when St. Louis finally slew. played again because yeah. they were off for a month. It's my alma mater, but I really don't follow them at all. So. Yeah, I mean they. Uh, I don't know, they're still playing well, but yeah. Just, I mean the who the, the, the Gonzaga Baylor been one two the entire season, correct? Yeah, both and, undefeated. Yeah, and both continue to separate themselves from everybody else. I mean, Gonzaga right now, I mean, they're even putting a little distance from an efficiency standpoint between them and Baylor. They're just clicking on every cylinder. And I mean, they've always had good offense, but like this group defends too. But I mean, Gonzaga's got a top five defense. And the knock of the, against them is always they're playing garbage. Is it? I mean, they've. Yeah, I mean, they played everyone considerably. Right? Oh, I mean, they're yeah. I mean, they their closest game of late. They played BYU last Monday, beat them by eleven, and that's as close as anyone's gotten. Because even it was Pacific put a scare in them. Oh, two weeks ago, and then Gonzaga still won by eighteen. I think it was Never like, easy to win at Pacific. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete Carroll's alma mater, by the way. Yeah. I mean, fun fact: Damon Stoudemire, specifics. Coach. Damon Stoudemire. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I have a. I, I won't get into it, uh, but I have a Damon Stoudemire connection too. Um, this looks like the like an eighties uh, top twenty-five. It, it's not. It's not been a typical Houston basketball season. Is how's five slamming Jim? I having a good year. Uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> okay, that's a yeah. Jim has been <laughs> resistant about Houston. Uh what are your other kind of takeaways? Obviously, you got three, four, five: Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois. Uh, when is that? Is Michigan game been rescheduled for the Illinois? Yeah, no. Okay, um, is is it going to be? I'm sorry, I should know this. Well, no one knows. Okay, and maybe like I've seen some speculation like they'll get in like March 1st because Illinois got the it's rescheduled game against. Or they pushed the second game against Nebraska to sometime between March second and March fourth. So if you play that game, the, like the third, you could play Michigan on the first, and it's be a packed final week because right. there's Ohio State that week as well. But uh, if only wants to play all twenty, it's kind of the only time they'll be able to do it. Are you a believer in Michigan? Obviously, you have them ranked third in the country behind the the big two. So I would assume you you're sold. Yeah, because I just I kept Michigan ranked where they were while they didn't play for two plus weeks and right. then, I mean they came back on Sunday got down by double digits against Wisconsin and then won 67-59 I mean they're I think they're legit and like they've got a really good freshman big man in Hunter Dickinson like they I mean the two big questions were how do they replace Xavier Simpson and John Teske and a lot of that was just I mean point guard and center and just sort of their leadership and just kind of those two held the team together. But Dickinson's been legit as a freshman. And then they got former Fenwick star Mike Smith from transferred from Columbia, and he went Ivy League to Big Ten and hasn't really lost a step. I mean, 
wow. runs the offense really well. And then Juwan Howard has the number one recruiting class in the country coming next wow. season. So Michigan's good now. It could be scary good. Is the the here and now is is the top of the Big Ten a pick em to you, or is Michigan kind of a cut above? I mean, I'd like to see Illinois Michigan play mm-hmm. because, and I'd like to see Illinois and Ohio State play again because that was an odd little stretch there where Illinois you know lost to Maryland and Ohio State did not play maybe up to its capability so I'd like to see the rematch but um Michigan right now is they've got a, a bit of an edge but it's not on a, a big one I don't think because it, it like but if Franz Wagner gets going like that makes them really tough because I mean six nine guard skills he's kind of a, a matchup nightmare but he's been a little inconsistent as a sophomore okay I would imagine podcast fans love to hear about recruiting so you think what makes you think this could happen tonight? Um, yeah, well, RJ Melinda's four-star wing is going to announce his commitment at seven forty-five Central Time. Tonight. Oh, so that's what makes you think <laughs> he's announcing he's yeah. going to announce his commitment. Um, okay. And yeah, Illinois is the presumed favorite. I mean, I, nothing about recruiting is ever right a given. Um, but along with who else is in the mix? Uh. Like it's weird because most of his offers have come since October, so he's not been on a campus. But he's got um, other offers from Alabama, Georgia, LSU. So I mean, some SEC teams there. Uh, Virginia Tech, uh, a few mid major like Dayton. It's kind of an upper tier mid major, but I think I mean, Illinois' selling point is one Orlando Antigua's ability to recruit and two Melendez is originally from Puerto Rico and Illinois got two Puerto Rican guards on this roster right now and Curbelo and then Edgar Padilla Jr. who Melendez played with on one of the junior national teams. He's a walk on, right? Yeah. Okay. I remember his father. Played on in the UMass Kelt Final Four Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean I think there's a lot to sell. Plus with I mean Illinois has, you know, recruited quote-unquote international players pretty well. I mean, Melendez plays high school basketball in Florida, but um, plays in, won a state title as a junior at Central Point Christian Academy um, in the independent, the Florida's got kind of an independent association. And what the, town is that in? Uh, Kissimmee. Okay. Uh, he's averaging, like, the, they're the number one team in that independent association again right now. It's averaging, like, We've got incomplete stats this season, but like 20 points, five rebounds, shoots it. Good size at 6'7", 195. I mean, We're in the same room as a Kissimmee expert, I believe, right now. Ed Bond. Is that Central you know Florida? You Kissimmee, right? That's Disney, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's weird because like, he hasn't been on any official or unofficial visits because his recruitment really didn't pick up and... Are there any are there any adjustments to the recruiting rules with COVID? I mean, can you like take a commitment back if after you sign or anything crazy like that? Um, I think after you've signed, it's obviously still tricky because legal binding contract. Right. I mean, you can get out of those, but, but there's but nothing. They haven't completely reinvented recruiting because no, of the well, just the fact that it's all happening on computer screens right, right now. Because until 
Well, the dead period, or it's just no in-person contact either way, goes through the final four, and then probably will go longer. So, so how is he, like, has he ever been to the state of Illinois, or is it just a... Oh, uh, I'm pretty, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine he has not. <laughs> wow. That'd so be a like, tough uh, way to pick a college. Sh- don't show him outside right now, <laughs> with uh, especially if we get more snow in Champaign the rest of today. But I, mean, I think the fact that he's familiar with Edgar Patia Jr. and obviously Andre Curbelo, Orlando Antigua is a known commodity in the Caribbean. He's from the Dominican, and I think that that puts it probably puts Illinois over the top tonight. But we'll find out. I mean, I'll give it the the Marcus Jackson answer. It's, 50-50, either will or he won't. <laughs> That's Commit great. to Illinois. Thanks. Uh, Northwestern was nationally ranked at one point. Do I remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a brief moment in time. Uh, I mean, it, it was deserved. You know, they opened the Big Ten with wins against Michigan State, Indiana, and Ohio State. Michigan State win now looks a little right. less good, but... Since then, uh, well, they've lost 11 in a row. Wow. So I think, I I don't know what type of magic they kind of tapped into in late December, but it ran out. Are they an easier out than Nebraska? Should Illinois have a less of a tough time? Well, Illinois shouldn't have had a tough time against Nebraska. But, I mean, Northwestern has some interesting players that, like, should be helping them be better. Like Miller Cop is a tough matchup just because of his size on the wing. I mean, he's 6'7", 215, but like he's physical. I mean, he's doesn't, it doesn't sound like he's that big, but he's got a physical presence. He's got a really good guard in Boo Booey. Um, he was invisible against Illinois, right? Yeah. Okay. He had his, he's had a stretch where he's been invisible against a lot of teams. I mean, and Northwestern had a 15-point lead on Illinois. This is the this is the Duke uh, slap on the floor thing, right? Like, yeah. This is the game, okay. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was a floor slap late in the second half against Nebraska as well. Oh, really? Kofi and Adam it. Miller did it. And then, thankfully, Illinois got the stop on that possession because if you slap the floor and then give up a bucket, yeah, just walk bad. off the court. Yeah. Cause that was those. Uh, do you remember these Duke teams at Wojciechowski and – Bobby Hartley and all those guys just slapped the floor. Was, yeah, when Chris Collins was on. Chris <laughs> Collins, there you go. He had another reason to I mean, yeah, load Duke. Illinois is a heavy favorite tomorrow and should be. But Who's yeah. better, Duke or Northwestern? <laughs> <laughs> I think Duke probably still can can run it out there and be better. But I think they're back to 500 finally. Does has Illinois so that this was during that stretch where they were, you know, the knock was they didn't come out and start games fast yeah. uh that northwestern game is that is that a thing of the past now or is that well nebraska got out to yeah, a 9-0 right. lead is that but it's it, you know i think that, that that's the uh sort of the, the outlier from the the five game winning streak where they've been better right at the jump and brett underwood essentially called it against nebraska because i guess jacob grandison had been getting beat on back cuts all week in practice leading up to the game and then Underwood told his assistants he's going to give up the first bucket on a back cut, and he did. And then he got pulled on, although they played again. If Michigan hasn't been scheduled, so we're just talking about the schedule as it exists now, how surprised would you be if Illinois wins out in the regular season? 
not overly, but it's the last two that'll be the, the trickiest because it's Northwestern and at Minnesota this week and then at Michigan State on February 23rd and Michigan State is something's broken right. with that team. But then the last two games, not including, well, I guess last, then there's a Nebraska game in there somewhere, but at Wisconsin and at Ohio State will be tougher. Plus at Michigan sometime in that stretch would be my guess. So his, his Illinois played like worse on the road this year in general with a, you know, with obviously not as much of a home court advantage. Yeah. I, I mean, they beat up on Duke. Right. And that was one of, in the early part of the season, like their best overall. That's still probably one of their best overall performances on both ends. We're bad at Missouri, though. Did not play particularly well at Rutgers. But they got some, some road wins. Penn State, Northwestern, these are not great wins. Indiana is their best road win, I suppose. I say Minnesota is typically a really tough place to play. but you Yeah, take... this year. Well, it's still somehow they're much better at home than on the road this year as well. I don't. I kind of like Williams Arena. It's other than that, putting your chin on the court when you're yeah. watching the game. Yeah, who doesn't <laughs> like it? I think I told this before. It was Deion Thomas because like he his freshman year, like he almost he's going for a loose ball and like almost slid off of the court, and it's like a foot and a half drop to yeah, oh, like it's steep, yeah. And, it, it and he it, he said like he did not chase down any more loose balls over the next four years at Minnesota because. There was no chance he was going to be flying off that thing. <laughs> right. I think Dick Bennett, actually, the old Wisconsin coach, bought it once, uh, sitting on Wells' little stool. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stools are the best part yeah. about all that. But, yeah, it's a – I mean, it's an old arena, but it's got some, some charm to it. Right. Okay. What else? Well, I think we've probably hit all of the, the topics we need to. Okay. So it was a good podcast, and you didn't tell me I was wrong about a lot of things. So I wouldn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> Bring you back, then. Uh, just, uh, Jim will save that up for next week. But um, until then, we'll have plenty of coverage in the News Gazette and at AlinaHQ.com with two games this week, probably. Uh, there's nothing guaranteed about college basketball this season. But Northwestern at home on Tuesday night, then at Minnesota on Saturday afternoon, and I will be making the, the trek to Minneapolis. Probably. Depending on what the snow looks like over the last what few the days. What the snow's like there? It's, yeah. That's the coldest I've ever been in my life, covering a game at Williams Arena back in whatever it was, in the mid-'90s, late-'90s. Just, uh, it is just freezing. There. Yeah. I, think, I, mean, I grew up in a cold-weather city and <clears throat> never been as cold as that in Minneapolis. Two seasons ago, maybe, the wind chill... In Minneapolis, when I was there for basketball game, was negative 54. <laughs> that's not right. No. All right. Well, that's it for episode 138 of Inside Atlanta Basketball. Again, thanks to, to Jeff D'Alessio for joining me. And we'll be back next week with more.